This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Fleet Street Fox column for Monday, June the 27th, 2022. The royal family stole all it's got. Prince Charles couldn't say no to a bag full of cash. Prince Charles is a lifelong, upstanding philanthropist whose good works include helping millions of people through the Prince's Trust, saving Dumfries House for the nation, and still calling the Queen mummy in public. And like any charity patron, when presented with a suitcase and a Fortnum and Mason shopping bag stuffed with used notes from a Qatari sheikh, he said, no. I can't possibly accept that because it looks well dodgy and my charity must be above reproach. Why don't you use electronic transfer like every respectable person with nothing to hide? Oh wait, no. Turns out that's what he'd have said if it was in Asda bags. In fact, presented with three million euros in large denomination notes, he accepted it gladly and ordered his staff to count it all out before carting it to the bank. Clarence House said donations from the Sheikh were passed immediately to one of the Prince's charities and all the correct processes were followed. There is no suggestion the payments were illegal. And it's not uncommon for charities to operate a large cash turnover. Collection tins, charity shops, school sponsorship drives, bring and buy sales all produce cash donations that are vital to the continued function of charities. Children donating for the PTA's non-uniform day with a quid at the school gate get a lot out of seeing and hearing their coins clunk into a bucket. They rarely donate in 500 euro notes though, so while it may have been perfectly reasonable for Sheikh Hamad bin Jassim bin Jabba Al Thani to have produced a shopping bag full of coins, few of us would believe that a bag full of notes was quite as likely to have been raised by the usual charitable means. Multiply that by several bags and throw in a suitcase full and the lack of curiosity about the origins of the cash displayed by both Prince Charles and his bank manager seems, well, curious. Anyone else who takes a shopping bag full of notes to the bank and tries to pay it in will be asked some very awkward questions indeed. But then to a royal, this isn't unusual. This is a family founded on theft and greed to the extent that people have been giving them cash bungs for centuries. Charles's 28 times great-grandfather, William the Conqueror, stole England in 1066, despite being only a distant cousin. But what else would you expect from someone whose forebears had stolen a large part of France centuries earlier? The Conqueror's great-grandson, Henry II, stole Ireland, and his great-great-great-great-grandson, Edward I, later stole Scotland and then Wales. They stole whole chunks of France, then bits of the Holy Land, and eventually a quarter of the world's surface with the British Empire. From one perspective, the only difference between this land grab and a county lines gang expanding into the suburbs is scale. It was all done for wealth and power, not to promote peace and understanding. They stole jewels, they stole statues, they stole ivory, minerals, wild animals, and in the case of James II, who was the major shareholder in the Royal Africa Company, they also made a busload of money by stealing people. 
Their response to this these days is to praise the Commonwealth, which is little more than a means to keep all those former dominions kowtowing to Queen Victoria's great-great-granddaughter, and to express profound sorrow for the business of enslaving and killing people, without which they wouldn't have nearly so many Bentleys, servants and palaces. They've taken money with menaces, hurled people into bloody, futile turf wars, whispered in the ears of prime ministers and had to clean up the family's reputation more times than they've transferred the crown from one generation to the next. They've fornicated, oppressed and demanded their subjects give them cash tributes in trunks and in money sacks, in jewels and tithes and the very last pennies your ancestors had to feed their children with. The current royals had little to do with all that, of course, but one of the benefits of a thousand-year criminal empire is that eventually people just bring the money to you. And if that's been happening your whole life, it's very hard to see anything wrong with it. The royals tried to go legit and give a few things back, like the costs of paying for the army and the stone of scone, but they only let us look inside their palaces in return for a cash bung. Their tea towels will set you back a tenner, and all we get in return is a nagging sense of being conned by people who could easily afford to do all this for free. The current royals can't do much about historic wrongs, but it seems they can't all avoid wronging a few people themselves. As Kay Corleone discovered, it's not possible to be an honest schoolteacher when your whole family is founded on crime. Expecting Prince Charles to say no to a suitcase full of readies is therefore like expecting Michael Corleone to disband his mafia and become a librarian. They are the result of a long breeding programme designed to make them ruthless. They lack both the wiring and the software to behave any differently. Even when some people do try to get out, the royals pull them back in, with permission sought to marry, titles, medals and balmoral barbecues. They demand silence, ostracise critics, and demand their soldati salute mummy every other day. Prince Charles is no more able to overcome all that than he's capable of dusting his own piano. Of course he took a bag full of readies without asking any questions. He's genetically incapable of doing anything else. A man disabled by his birth rather than ennobled by it. Of course there'll be financial improprieties alleged and now under consideration by the Charity Commission. Of course there'll be opaque sources of funding, tangled family politics and less than perfect people sheltered by a family that's lived above the law for centuries. Prince Charles probably hasn't broken any rules, except for the one about not looking grubby. What's surprising is that this is a surprise. It's not like the royal family over both centuries and the past few decades hasn't shown itself to be keener to accept cash than any questions. But the Corleones could be smashed by the FBI. County lines, drug gangs get the attention of the National Crime Agency and the royal family gets scrutinised merely by a parliament that's been unwilling to rein in a reigning monarch since 1649. And you don't need to cut off any heads to do it. Just ditch the royal protection and replace it with ASDA security guards who keep a beady eye out for any sign of a royal taking something without paying for it. They'd soon find a reason to look more honest. This is the Fleet Street Fox column for Friday, July the 1st, 2022. No, this isn't just Tory sleaze. This looks like a crime wave. You have to wonder what exactly the Tories expected to happen when they gave the job of whip to a man called Pincher. 
But considering Boris Johnson's propensity for doubling <clears throat> down, we can presumably expect that a Mr Groper will be named as next incumbent of the Woolsack and auditions for the role of Black Rod will be held in the 1922 committee's Red Room of Pain. The sound of elastic being twanged by Tories has caused many, mostly those who remember the 1990s fondly, to talk about sleaze and the final days of John Major which is to say it's caused many people to talk more bollocks than an MP being teabagged. Tory sleaze, for those too young or too drunk at the time to remember, means cash in brown envelopes, escorts, toe-sucking, wearing a Chelsea football shirt while lolloping over a long-suffering mistress in a Mayfair flat loaned to you by a friend. It's tonguing your wife for the cameras, sharing a bath with Edwina Curry and fathering love children you never acknowledge. It's kiss and tells, sensational Sunday headlines and getting back to basics on Monday. Sleaze, as anyone who has travelled on a night bus might tell you, comes in a dribble. What the Tories have on their hands at the moment, however, is allegations of sexual assault, investigations of suspected rape, multiple accusations of sexual harassment and drunken indecent assaults. That's not sleaze, that's crime wave. If a similar tsunami of criminality were to be alleged in any other organisation, a school, for instance, a hospital or a charity, it wouldn't be dismissed as simple pervery. The heads of those organisations wouldn't shrug it off as an embarrassing incident, and if they did, the head would be squeezed out by lunchtime. Today, we learn that Tamworth MP Chris Pincher has resigned as Deputy Chief Whip after getting drunk and, quotes, attempting to seduce more than one young man at the Tories' favourite drinking hole, the Carlton Club, which sets membership standards for party loyalty and a dress code, but is presumably less rigid on how drunk and handsy people can get without the police being called. In response, Boris Johnson has accepted the resignation of Mr Pincher from his £31,680 a year role maintaining party discipline. And number 10 sources have said, the PM thinks he's done the decent thing by resigning. There's no need for an investigation and no need to suspend the whip. This also means Pincher remains in his main £84,144 a year job, maintaining democratic law and order, which is the opposite of decent and leaves the whole thing very much open to debate. Andy Burnham calls this a total collapse of standards in government. In truth, Johnson's keeping a firm grip on the double standards with which his government has become so well acquainted in the past three years of tawdry Tory rule. Doing the decent thing would mean not appointing Pincher to the role of whip in the first place, especially as he had to resign it once already after allegations of harassing a young party worker while wearing a dressing gown, quotes, like a pound shop Harvey Weinstein. Doing the decent thing would mean Mr Pincher apologising to those he's said to have assaulted and not writing his apology in a letter to his boss. And doing the decent thing would mean, when told of alleged criminality infesting your organisation like crabs on the mattress of a Mayfair flat, ringing the police and asking if they'd mind taking a look at it all with a blacklight. But when that same organisation has shown itself to be the natural party of government to break laws and rules to the point where it's forced to rewrite them and then break those too while arguing they're unfair, doing the decent thing is about as likely as Johnson appointing a new ethics adviser. Tory MPs have now demanded he show zero tolerance for sexual misconduct allegations and suspend the whip from all those fingered for it. The only trouble with that is there'd be very few left for the whips to whip, 
and the PM himself might end up expelled from his own party while allegations about corruption of his official Foreign Office sofa are investigated. But you have to wonder what exactly anyone expected from a party so pro-rogue that it pro-rogued illegally. That acted unlawfully towards patients in care homes, in awarding PPE contracts to VIPs, in appointing their friends to public office, in failing to disclose information on time. Whose top bods broke not just the guidelines, but public trust in smooching their mistresses in the office, in driving to Barnard Castle, and in throwing so many parties that Downing Street basically became an illegal lockdown rave that was investigated by a police force so corrupt it's since been placed in special measures. There is, though, an upside to this. Because all Labour needs to do is be tough on Tory crime and tough on the causes of Tory crime. And millions of people, from the Red Wall to the Blue Base, will vote for a crackdown on the Tories. If a former Attorney General can't bring them to book... No one can.